0: In today's episode, we're going to talk about what it means to be at completion, what it means to be whole, not in just spirit, mind, and body, but we're looking at the root word of shalom, which isn't meaning the absence of something that we all think of, the absence of peace, but it's also the definition, when it was originally used, is the completion of something. And so we take that identity We take that understanding and we apply it towards what we're going through today. And in my life, struggling with anxiety and my sonship with God over me being a sinner and the things that I felt like have been missing because I haven't been in completion with God. And how I can understand tendencies better and understand relationship better. And we talked about how intimacy plays a big part of that and how to change one's intimacy. We're going to have to learn and understand how to change our mindset and what we're feeding ourselves so that we can identify more with being a child of God than identifying with being a sinner. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Enjoy the show. Today, on The Whole Person Mindset, we're interviewing my pastor, Jonathan Rivers. He has been the lead pastor at Destiny Church going on four years now. And through this time, he has been married, he has four sons, and man, I don't know how he handles four boys, because I have three. But anyway, he's a pastor, he's a friend of mine, but he's also really, really smart and a good businessman and leader. You are. You're laughing. Okay. It's true. And so, anyway, I wanted to welcome to the show my friend, my pastor, Jonathan Rivers. Pastor Jonathan, hey. how are you?
1: I'm good, man. How are you doing?
0: Doing well, doing well. Well, hey, I. you know, you had a message on Sunday. And what's funny is, like, I think we've had this conversation many times. where it's like, oh, hey, I want to do a podcast over that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we just never do. But this one, I really wanted to to do because it I felt like it hit home with me on multiple levels. And one, I wanted the audience to hear it, but I also wanted to go a little deeper. Yeah, sure. And your message was over the the word shalom, mm-hmm. which yeah. is peace in in the Bible. And you talked about how shalom has been a word that has lasted thousands of years different translations through different you know associations with words and new changes and I wanted you to first I guess with the audience share just the historical context of the word shalom because then I want to bring it back to some other things here in a second
1: yeah absolutely so you know Uh, The idea of shalom, which is the the Hebrew word for peace, and and of course, if there's any Hebrew nerds out there, there's a lot of derivatives and conjugations and different stuff. But just for today's purposes, we'll just say shalom, the the word that's most often translated as peace. Uh, You know, it's a word that goes all the way back to some of the earliest sections of the bible uh, and it has a really true rich uh context and meaning and uh, appreciation uh within the the historical context of the bible but also even up to modern day uh jewish uh, people they still hold a great deal of respect towards what this word means. It's still used in greetings today uh, uh both uh in Israel itself and then also around the world where other Jewish people find each other and greet each other uh and, and so it has a lot of rich. Meaning, uh, and when we look at it, how we translate it most often in in English is the idea of peace, which is which is uh not untrue that's definitely a concept. but when we think of peace many times in English uh, we're thinking about like the absence of war or the absence of of conflict so peace. Is the result of an absence of something, and so therefore we're at peace. You know, maybe sometimes, uh, especially the parents listening, we think if my kids could just be absence, th- there could be a little bit of peace in my house uh, because I could just have some quiet and think, and I could be at peace. Uh, and when you've got, you know, in your case, three boys, uh, in my case, four boys, there's not a lot of uh, peace, but at least in that regards, uh, and so. But, but the, the Jewish connotation, and we can see this through the usage throughout the Old Testament, and then even how New Testament authors would Translate into it, the to Greek uh, the concept. Uh, it, it is not just the absence of something, the absence of conflict or the absence of war, uh, but it's also the very idea of the presence of something, uh, as as well as the complete or wholeness of something. So we have examples in Joshua where he talks about building an altar made of whole stones, uncut stones, and, and the word there is, is shalom stones that are in completion that have haven't been uh, broken, and when we look at peace through this lens, the idea of it is not the absence of something, but in fact, it is the presence and the completeness and the wholeness uh, that it really means a, a, a lot. So when David sees his brother and he asks them, like, "How's your peace?" Uh, he doesn't mean, you know, are you at war? Well, of course they're at war. They're literally fighting the Philistines. He's asking them within your, your very being, how complete are you? Are you at rest? Are you at peace? Uh, do you feel like everything in your circle is in completion or is there something that is out of peace and that needs to be restored back to wholeness or completion?
0: So Talking about that in the context of this podcast, the whole person mindset. And mm-hmm. you know, originally we were just the whole person. And then we've adapted, you know, more of the mindset aspect for marketing purposes. And when you're scanning through it, oh, I I get more of a context of what you're about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I've I've never heard of Shalom described that way. I've not done that deep of a study on it myself. But as you were saying I'm like, man. Not only does this obviously match the context of what I'm trying to do with the podcast as the whole person, the whole mindset, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to peace, there's something internally that it just brought deeper revelation to because, you know, one of the questions that I frequently ask my guests at the end of the show is what brings you peace? Because Mm -hmm, I have mm -hmm. a strong desire to have just, just peace regardless yeah. of the circumstances, regardless of the storms, regardless of the situations I can walk in peace. And, you know, back in, it was 2020, um, oh man, I had freedom from anxiety. I experienced a level of peace I had never experienced before in the midst of COVID. Mm-hmm, like, yeah. yeah, But in 2021, it has been one of the most difficult years of anxiety mm-hmm. I've ever had. I, I've been to the e r twice, thought I was having a heart attack once, you know before I realized it was just anxiety my- my resting heart rate, Jonathan was a hundred and forty beats a minute. It's not good, yeah, it was crazy, and I was mm-hmm. sitting still and so what I did not realize is that like my my piece was being robbed, and I didn't understand this and so in the last podcast I interviewed a guy and you know one of the tendencies that I have in my life is to have anxiety where my mm-hmm. heart rate will get up and and there's just an overall lack of peace and he wanted to dissect that more so sure I did and what what it came down to what I think it is is man you know I'm 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 even ordained myself and so when what, what I say this, it's really funny. Like, I know that God is all loving. He's mm-hmm. caring. He's not out there to just hit me with a hammer and smite me. I know that. But for some reason, I still identify myself as a sinner and not a son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every time I do one small thing, I've screwed up. And just another way for God to just be disappointed with me.
1: Sure,
0: And when I'm looking at that, at the core, I'm wondering if through that is causing a lot of the anxiety because I don't feel good enough. I don't feel like I can achieve enough. I, can't, I don't feel like I can make enough mo- Like, I just don't feel enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I've been praying about, God, show me, show me what it means to, to live in peace and to live as a son mm-hmm. and not a sinner. Yeah. And then this week we have your message and I was like, oh my gosh, part of it is I there's this area that I'm lacking. I'm not, I don't feel connected. I don't feel that I'm whole. And I wanted to dissect this conversation in terms of the message that that you brought.
1: Yeah. No, I I think that's great because here's here's the thing. In our life, and the Bible is 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 very uh, open about this. Once you are in Christ, like once you accept Jesus, it doesn't mean that you never have any trouble. It never it doesn't mean that you never have any issues or or tribulation uh, or issues. Uh, that you that you create for yourself. It also doesn't mean that other people won't create issues for you. I mean, we know this sometimes I make bad choices and I deal with those consequences. And then sometimes someone else makes a choice that affects me uh, and I get negative results of that. Like we, we all experience that. But what it talks about is, is that if there's something that removes the completeness or the wholeness, our peace, uh, we have the ability to get it back. So in in the Old Testament, when shalom is used as a verb, uh, the most simple translation would be to bring back to completeness or wholeness. Like when you shalom something, you're bringing it back to the state of completion. And the reason that's important, because I feel like that puts in context the idea of what Jesus shares in John chapter 14, verse 27, when he says, Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you, not how the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When he's talking about peace, he's not talking about the absence of problems. He is talking about a completeness and wholeness that we can experience as followers of Jesus. and, and that there's the, when he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This is one of the, the few negative commands that God ever gives that Jesus ever gives. Jesus has many times love God, love others, you know, all these different things. They're very positive things. This is one of the few where he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't do something. Allow yourself to remain in peace. If you're out of peace. Have your peace restored. Do do whatever it takes to find that peace to restore, to bring wholeness and completion back. And the New Testament authors, the the, the apostles, uh, whether it's Peter or Paul or any of the other guys, they really latched on to this. And so that's why they wrote verses like Romans 5, 1, where it says, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done with us, but because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done with us. So we are at peace with God. That doesn't mean, to your point, well, I'm doing okay right now, so he's not going to come and sledge me over the hammers. That's good. There's actually more than that. We are at this complete oneness, unity, wholeness, perfection. As a, as a result of what Jesus did for us. So because of his complete life, because the only whole person that's ever lived is Jesus, and he lived a whole complete uh, peaceful life, he gave that as a gift to me. So now I'm in at peace with God not because of my actions, but because of Jesus's actions, which then is what goes into what you're talking about. It's no longer about, did I do enough to be at peace with God? Have I given enough to my church? Have I served enough? Have I attended enough? Have I been a good enough husband or a good enough father or earned enough money or won enough souls for the kingdom? It, it's not about that. That's not the basis of your peace. The basis of your peace is the peace that Jesus gave to you. And as a result of being in completion and from that place of wholeness, God allows us to live this life, the best life that we're called to and to partner with him and being able to, to show that love and that goodness to others uh, and that truth to others. And so uh, it, it all comes from the idea of it's not about me. It's about him. And I am in complete standing right now. If I never do another Good thing I'm still at peace with God because that's what Jesus brought. And for me, as someone for who is kind of has a history of being um, an achiever, or maybe like an overachiever, or very works-oriented, and uh, you know, maybe even in some ways a recovering uh, Pharisee, the idea of achieving something is really important because then I can be like, look how great I am. But the reality of no, 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 you you have achieved because of what Jesus did, so you can rest in that peace is a complete it completely changed my perspective on what it means to be uh so many things including uh, a husband a pastor a father and all that
0: so how do we go from having that as head knowledge to what i say heart knowledge like a a a deeper understanding and revelation of that because you know dude i mean I've, i've been in christian as long as i can remember and and I'm not saying that we'll live this way 100 percent of the time. There's ebbs and flows. Sure. Um, but what are some things that I can do as a, as an individual to to actually just live in that without feeling like I have to do something that it's that it that it's a actual manifestation in my life? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that's a really good question. I, I think what we do, it, you know, it, it does matter. How we live our lives matters. The, the things that we are practicing in our life matters. And so what we know, both from experience and from studies and from science, there are certain things in our life that produce anxiety. And then there are certain things in our life that are maybe neutral. They don't necessarily produce anxiety. They maybe don't bring peace. And there are certain things that are in our lives that can produce anxiety. Uh, you know stress relief or 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 peace or or wholeness, but whether it's physically, uh spiritually, or mentally, those things can be uh, experienced. So w- w- one of the things is we have a, we have a as a society have become uh, very into the concepts of uh, social media, news, being in the know and and the truth is, Uh, maybe in a really small dose, they would be okay. Uh, But more times than not, they just create stress, they create fear, they create anxiety, because that's what's being reported. That's what's being there. And even in social media platforms that are not necessarily global politics, uh, sometimes seeing other people's curated best lives creates an anxiety or a stress on me. Like, Oh, am I, am I making enough money for my family? Am I taking us on enough trips? Am I doing all these memories? Am I keeping up?
0: FOMO almost.
1: Uh, Yeah. And, And so that produces anxiety let alone the the studies and, and we will It's a whole nother thing but you know that that's just what the neurological effects of scrolling through different social medias and having these dopamine hits and going through these different things it is it creates an anxious mind and and so therefore when you have an anxious mind you, you won't have uh you, you've you've had peace removed from you you are at a deficit Uh, Whether it's a real deficit or a a perceived or manufactured deficit, you are now out of peace. You are not whole. You are not complete because you're lacking. And so there's things that we can do uh, to help. There's things that are natural, like exercise is really great to be able to keep ourselves at a good place. Uh, I think being able to take time to be Uh, in quiet or stillness or nature is really a great opportunity when you get stressed or anxious or worried. uh, Sometimes the best thing to do is unplug and go on a 30 minute walk somewhere and just be able to experience creation and nature. I think that's good. Uh, and, And those are kind of things in the natural. But I really believe what we feed on and what we put our attention on, is going to be uh, what causes us the, the most either peace or anxiety. And so, uh, if I spend a lot of time watching TV, social media, which which again in moderation, there's nothing wrong with those things. Um, if I spend too much time with that, I can create anxiety. But if I spend time, uh, whether it's reading the Bible. Uh, listening and singing praise and worship, hearing some great sermons that are are Christ-centered, listening to something like a podcast that's an encouraging, thought-provoking thing, a tool to help me grow as an individual. If I do some of those things, and that is where my attention is, uh, it, it creates a chain reaction because attention on something creates awareness. And when you're aware of something, then you see it more often. Like, so for an example, Evan, I don't know if you've ever had something that you were thinking about making a purchase. Maybe you were shopping around for a car or you were looking to find the newest whatever. And, and you've done some research and you're looking at stuff and you decide, okay, I think I want to buy that. And the moment you kind of get your attention on looking for that, you start to see them all around town. Uh, all this, you start to see what you're looking for everywhere. And you're like, that's what I want. Or I want that one in black. Or, and, and But your attention created an awareness to something. Uh, And there's no difference than when my attention becomes on God's promises for me, that he's given me peace, that I'm in good standing with him, that he loves me because of what Jesus has done through me, uh, that he desires for my heart to be whole and complete, and that anxiety and fear and doubt can be moved. When When I begin to keep attention on that, I begin to be aware of that in my daily life. I begin to kind of what you mentioned, even in the middle of chaos last year, you all of a sudden had the awareness of peace. You had the awareness that you're good. And so many times uh, attention leads to awareness and awareness all of a sudden begins to cycle in. Oh my gosh, I'm seeing this here. I saw this in my life. I saw that provision. Uh, I, I see God bringing peace, even though in the natural, it doesn't look right. And so I think that those are some, kind of practical ways that we can walk into
0: it. Mm. So I'm going to try to bring this home for me and maybe for some of our listeners a little bit. What I hear you say is in terms of the son versus sinner mentality that I've struggled with is that the reason why I feel like such a sinner and not a son is because my focus and my mentality is focused on the sinner and that in order for me to walk in the wholeness, the peace, the completeness of Shalom as a, as a son, that Mm -hmm. that's where my focus needs to be is that of a son. Yeah. That's not something that God just like, I'm going to change your mind. It's something that I have to place myself in front of to see, to renew my mind, to listen to things that renew my heart and that doesn't focus so much on where I mess up, or the the lack, or or the abundance, or whatever I have, but focuses on on I am right with God because Jesus yeah. Christ.
1: Yeah, no, that that's exactly right. You know, Colossians one nineteen says, "For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ." So that's the first thing. As His Son, God was pleased with Christ, uh, and then it says, "And through Him, Jesus, God reconciled everything to Himself." He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. So the moment that we come to the Father through Christ and through His sacrifice, we are reconciled, or or that's like an accounting term. Our balance has been paid and brought to shalom, brought to wholeness and completeness, and therefore we're no longer a, a, a debtor, but we are now. Uh, made free from debt uh, because our debt was paid. And then it says we're adopted into his family. We we become sons uh, or daughters of God as a result of the what Jesus did. There's so many great examples of this idea of whether it's being adopted into the family or grafted into the tree, you become that identity. And, you know, sometimes you may not feel that way. There may be times like, well, I don't feel like a son. I don't feel like a daughter. I don't feel like I'm righteous because of what Jesus has done for me. I actually maybe feel pretty crummy or I yelled at my kids or I I made another mistake or I I fell short in some area. Uh, uh, That's that's a temporary uh, broken part of us that is currently or for momentarily out of peace. But Jesus's uh, promise through the power of the Holy Spirit, is that he can allow that to come and to restore you and to remind you of the truth of your identity as a son or a daughter, as someone who's made whole, who loves you unconditionally. And that idea of unconditional love is is a game changer. When, When you realize he unconditionally loves you, It changes how you do something. It doesn't mean that you don't like sometimes in Paul dealt with this. Well, if if I tell you that God loves you no matter what unconditionally, well, then that's just going to make you go and sin a whole lot because then you can do whatever you want. And it's like, no, (laughs) that's the opposite of what happens from a place of unconditional love. You get the opportunity to go and to grow and to trust in the relationship that God wants to have with you. You know, the reality is um, I'm married. We've been married for like 17 years. And the, the thing with me and my wife, Phoebe is I, I don't, I don't not cheat on her because there's a rule in the Bible. I don't cheat on her because I love her. I love her. And I would never want to hurt her. The reality is, There's things in this world that I know that are good for me and that are bad for me. And when it comes to my relationship with God, even though I know God will love me, whether I do something or don't do something, I'm going to walk and strive to do what I think is most honoring in our relationship, because one, that'll be what's best for me. But two, it's because I love God. I love God. And I know I loved God because I've been loved by him. We love God because he first loved us. And when we really grasp onto this identity, it totally changes our perspective. I, I grew up for a long time believing I had, I had to earn God's love. I had to be good enough. I needed to go to church enough, read my Bible enough. And it wasn't until uh, I finally came to this realization, I could never do that. I, I could never do it. That God saved me. He freed me. He healed me. And he brought me to a place where I could say, oh my gosh, it's not about what I did. It's not about how much I love you. It's about how much you love me. And that changes everything.
0: You know, as you're talking about in this process of, of coming to God and him changing everything, you and I can re- probably relate to each other in, in this area. And I don't know how many other people can or can't. You hear stories of people who have these amazing conversion moments mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. lived like hell and God completely changed and restored their life. I don't have one of those stories sure yeah um you know so for me it's just been a a life lived with christ and what i often ponder is like all right god i know i have never had this major conversion moment because i've always lived with you but i don't ever remember living life without you mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. because of that the the curiosity or the the question or or, or the thing I, you know, the philosophical stuff that I, that I go through in my mind is like, well, if I've never had this major conversion moment, like, yeah. what, what does it feel like to 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 be without you? Because all I know is life with you, mm-hmm. and so even though I'm with you, I still feel like I might not be because I've yeah. never had, like, I've never had that altering moment, and so how do I know that I'm fully surrendered? How mm-hmm. do I know that I'm fully living? for you because there's a lot of people i'm sure like but god you know i know you love me but i still look at porn or i still you know do drugs or you know i steal or you know these things and so so they're struggling with their sin but yet they feel like they're with god they they are christian but they haven't they haven't seen that life change yeah. either and so
1: yeah I, I mean so here's the thing. Uh, and, and to be your point, yeah, I was saved at a young age. Grew up in a Christian home. Uh, grew up in church, Christian schools, all that kind of stuff. And but but here's the thing: uh, proximity does not create intimacy. And what I mean by that is, God's desire is to have an intimate, personal relationship with with us, with you, with our kid, with with each one of His kids. Like that is His desire. And in that relationship, He wants to teach us, yes, what is good for us, and what is bad for us. I mean, this is really bringing it down to simplicity. But Jesus gave us this example that in this life, going to be people who are far from God, and then people who are maybe not that far, but neither one of our intimate. And the greatest example of that is the story of the prodigal son. There's the one who told him, give me an inheritance. I'd be better if you weren't here. And he goes off, and we know what he does sins he spends all his money on stuff blah 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 wasted destitute you've probably heard the story and this this father forgives him embraces him and this is kind of your point this guy has this transformative moment he was really bad and now he gets forgiveness and he comes in there uh but we know the end of the story is the brother who stayed is like what about me i've been here the whole time right And, and what that teaches us is you can be far away and not intimate with the father. You can be close and not intimate with the father and still not actually enjoy the presence. And, and that, that brother who never left was uh, just as um, far away from the understanding the father's heart for him as the one who was gone. And for me, though, I grew up in a Christian home and I grew up in a great place and it was good. It, it was good. It wasn't bad. There was a season where I realized I've been in proximity to God, but I haven't been intimately involved with God because I haven't allowed him to really rule in my life. You brought up the word surrender. I haven't allowed to say, you know what? Not about what I do, but what you do. Even Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. And until I really grasp that in my life, uh, I, I can be missing some of the intimacy. But the amazing thing about the relationship with God, when we truly say, OK, God, listen, I know I've, I've, I've loved you. I've, I've, I have I've believed in you, but but I don't know if I've really fully surrendered my life in a way that that's meaningful, uh, whether you've been a Christian for a long time or, or, or a new believer. And I want to do that. Uh, I want to lay down my own desires and, and instead pick up your heart when you do that and my experience both personally friends family people within the church God's always faithful to show up and, and and to begin to to instruct and it doesn't matter if you had the craziest past or if at least in church world it's boring you don't have a cool testimony. Like we've talked about that before. When people have their testimony, it's like, I was addicted to drugs at 10 years old and I, you know, whatever. And then when you don't have all these, and those are cool and they're amazing because it shows God's forgiveness and restoration, just like the prodigal son. Right. Some, but some of us were the son who stayed and we still need to know intimacy and we're still dealing with the same, some of the same issues just differently. The one who went away was having issues with lust. The one who stayed has issues with lust. Like the one who went away had issues with respect to the father. The one who stayed had issues with the respect for the father. Like we have the same problems. It just looks different. And so, so we can walk in that. Yeah, you go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, so what does, you know, you talked about this uh, in your life coming to a place of intimacy and surrender and I've noticed in my life, I have seasons of ebbs and flows and stuff like that. What does coming in not only in both surrender, but in intimacy? Because, you know, when, when I think of, you know, the good old, how do I get to know God and become intimate? It's like, all you right, mm-hmm. going to read your Bible. You're going to pray. You're going to go to church. You're going to, it's formulated. It, it's work-based. Yeah. And while those things are good, mm-hmm. that's not what creates intimacy.
1: Yeah, And so- I'll- all those things are great. If they're a means to an end, you know, there's spiritual disciplines that are, that are great. You know, again, reading your Bible, time of prayer, finding times of solitude, maybe waking up early. Like there's, there's, you know, Bible studies, those are all great. If the intention in the heart is, I'm going to spend time in this word, spend time in prayer, spend time in silence with the intention of drawing closer to you, God. Like my intention is, to hear your voice, to to feel something inside that, that leads me in my next direction. If that's the intention, well, then we see that. But if the intention is just to check off my formula of 10 steps to get to know God, well, then all of a sudden it becomes the end itself. Uh, it doesn't matter how many days in a row you wake up at 5 a.m. and read 10 chapters of your Bible. You know, it, it won't actually have a purpose.
0: Intentions also don't lead to results. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah. You know, God, dude, like I've, I've, everything that we're talking about, I've been at different stages and points in my life. And so like, there's been times where I've, you know, done it to, cause if I didn't, I'd feel bad.
1: Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm.
0: times I've done it to grow in intimacy. And so where do we learn how to decipher the two? How, how do we learn like it move beyond just intention to actually like, you know what, God, I'm doing this because I want intimacy and I'll be closer with you. And it not just be intended, but like, then we see results.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, when we look at what Jesus talks about in his life, it's clear that God understands and knows the motivation of people's actions and the condition of people's hearts is far more important to him than the actual action. We saw that, for example, with the woman who gave her last mite. That he was more impressed with the condition of her heart, even though on the natural, the gift looked small, the heart was what he cared about. Uh, He talks about Jesus did all sorts of talking about how do we pray and how do we fast? Like the how is is more important than the what, which is why even God said like whenever through 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 Samuel to Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. It, like it seems really great to say I offered ten thousand sacrifices to God, but if you didn't obey, it doesn't matter. Like, and so God well, knows the condition I'm, of our heart.
0: I'm gonna pause right there because he, here's here's where it goes back into the sonner sonner <laughs> the sinner versus the son. Yeah, is the desire to like God? I have the desire to obey. But the things that I don't want to do, I do, according to to Paul in Romans. And then the things I don't want to do, I do. Yeah. So how do we wrestle with that? Because, you know, obviously we wrestle with our flesh. But God has called us not to. Like, God has called us to more than that. So how do we move past wrestling with fleshly desires? Yeah. I mean, and I guess the simple answer is, well, yes, we've been endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit through uh, the sending of the Holy Spirit to live in a way that is pure and holy and honorable before God. Yeah. But I screw up a lot. Sure. And I do the things I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how can we wrestle with that with what you were just saying?
1: Yeah. I, and I mean, you know, these are the things that are. And, and and so many of the stuff in in Christianity in our walk with God is like it's easier said than done. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Like it's easier to say it's said. That it's like to say, "Well, you just do this, this, this," than actually have to do it. Because saying it is one thing, but when you're actually dealing with the emotion or the feeling or the hurt or the disappointment, it's a lot harder to do some of these things, you know, in, in practice. But ultimately, uh. It, the, the concept, even mentioning what Paul talks about, how like I sometimes do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. And it's just like, it's this very real moment. One of the maybe realest moments in the New Testament that I think a lot of people make a connection to because it's like, I do that. Like, I want to be more patient and I get short with people or I want to stop doing this particular habit and I keep falling back into it. Like, and I don't want to, but I keep doing it. And it feels very very relatable. Um, But, you know, even within that, through whether it's Romans or the myriad of his other letters, he he goes on to continue to talk about uh, that life is this journey. And it is a process that we're in. We are in the process of being continually transformed, into his image, and we are continually transformed, and our faith is continually uh, encouraged by the over and over hearing of the word of Christ. Like this continual process, and so there's seasons in my life where sometimes I'm spending time reading the word, uh, or or you know doing some other spiritual practice, um, because. I know it is the discipline that I need to continue in this season. Uh, And even though maybe I'm not feeling it, but God's processing that with me. Then there's other times where every moment feels like it is intentional and purposeful and God is showing up, but it's a process of saying, okay, God, transform me, transform me, transform me, not my will, but your will be done and believing the truth of what God says about you, as opposed to maybe what you think. So as crazy as it sounds, even when you're in the middle of, of, of walking in like, for example, in patience, like you're not being patient, you're being short with your kids, your spouse or employees. It's like the spirit of God says that uh, patience is a, a fruit of, of, of the spirit. And that's who I am. And so even though, even in this moment, I may not be operating in it, I believe that's my identity, and I'm going to continue to strive for that. And it just is a journey. And the thing I can say, it's not something that happens overnight. Sometimes God will do something miraculous, and they'll free you or transform you really quickly. And and I could only wish that that happened with everything. And then other things, it is a lifelong journey of surrendering your own will, putting down your fleshly desires, and allowing God's transformative power to work in your life. Uh, But it'll happen.
0: Well, and I think the other thing, too, in this is what specifically Christ has redeemed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you read through Romans, you know, we see that he's redeemed our soul. He's brought us in oneness with him. And we see that we still wrestle with the flesh, the, the desires of sin. We are redeemed from sin. And we are redeemed because Jesus paid the price. Yeah. And he also paid the price of death that um, our bodies face so that we can have etern- eternal life. So he's yeah. paid two things. But I think, too, where where this misconception is, the death aspect for us of being redeemed comes after we die.
1: hmm Yeah.
0: And the redemption of our mortal physical body isn't until after we die. And yeah. then, after we die, then our, our soul's already been redeemed. The sin has already been forgiven. But the flesh that we deal with isn't redeemed until after we die. Yeah. And so we're going to be wrestling with that aspect of our Christian walk until we do die.
1: Yeah, you'll never reach completion, but... It does give you hope in that it says that we can be transformed more and more into his glorious image with that ultimate completion being uh, eternity, uh, you know, life after death. But but until that time, we can be transformed. And for some people, it's like, well, no, I just want to be done there. There is no done. And, And the journey is part of what creates Trust and openness and vulnerability. And the thing we have to remember, uh, and I know you know this too, Evan, it, it, is that sometimes it is the very thing that we're walking through that we're allowing God to to, to rule our life, that, that season that transforms and finds that peace. It is that very thing that we get to share with others that incurs their faith, that builds their ability to to trust God more or to try again or to give up a particular thing in their life that they need to let go of, that our testimony can be the thing that helps people in their journey of intimacy with God. Uh, And so that we can say, look, I used to deal with this. I used to have anger problems and I may still occasionally get angry, but God has redeemed me and restored me and is still doing it. And if you deal with anger, I'm telling you, God can help you. And and, with, and and that's just one example. But those are the things that I believe that when in Revelation talks about that the enemy is overcome by the blood of the lamb and the power of the testimony. Like those two things matter and they work together. The blood of what Jesus did, like to your point, is what made the way for me to be in relationship with God. And then the testimony of what God has done for me personally is a thing that encourages others to come along this journey.
0: Yeah. Man, I love it. I absolutely love the message that you brought in this conversation because at the end of the day, we are a son, we are a daughter of God, and we are no longer our identity is no longer the sinner. It's just we have to choose to take on that new identity. And I I mean, that's something that that I think comes and goes at different points and times in our life where yeah. we we'll struggle with. But I know for me, you know. I think, I think going through this anxiety portion and the triggers of anxiety have helped me realize, you know what, when this tendency starts occurring, I'm out of balance in my identity with Christ. Yeah. And I think when we look at our lives, there's many other tendencies that we can, like, when I do this, it's because of something else is out of balance. Something else isn't complete. Something else is out of alignment. And when you go back to what that is and how you how that gets fixed
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it
0: then fixes the tendency it, I should say it fixes the tendency because we're always going to have those tendencies yeah it, it's not like those tendencies will will go away because they're kind of hardwired into us that's sure what we tend to do, but when they occur, instead of just accepting it as is, we need to go back to To the cause, the 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 root, and how we can, in a sense, realign our intimacy and our thoughts Mm -hmm. of who we are and the identity that we are in Christ. Yeah,
1: and be restored back to shalom, back to wholeness, back to completion. Uh, And that is a lifelong journey. That is a lifelong process. But that's also probably why, if you really, uh, especially in the New Testament, break down, identity is one of the biggest topics one of the biggest subjects is your identity your identity before christ your identity after christ your identity as a son or daughter as a king as a priest your identity as a sinner before that like it is one of the biggest subjects and is one of the things that's put in many different ways but it's because it is something that we continually question in our lives as we move on in this journey
0: you know (laughs) well, something <laughs> As you were talking, I, I just had this thought. One of the major forms of identifying yourself as a child of God, Old Testament-wise, if you were a male, was circumcision. Mm-hmm. And in the New Testament, one of the bigger conflicts uh, within Judaism is whether or not a man needs to be circumcised. Yeah. And what's... I think we even had a... I think you did a sermon series kind of over this too I, a while back. But... The other thing too, like within Christianity, you know there's things modern day that we look at that would in a sense take the place of circumcision, like no, 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 you don't need to do this to be identified with God, right or identified with God period, like you yeah. know, don't do said thing I don't know but I think yeah we're a, a, a message series over <laughs> circumcision, whether that was you or someone else I watched.
1: No, we definitely talked about. Well, we we did a series where we went through a lot of the epistles, uh, and of course, like to your point, circumcision was a big uh, contention of the day of the time in which they were written, and an issue that was being addressed, uh, and and because there were some people who were believing that uh, if you weren't circumcised, then you weren't a, a believer, and, and so therefore. Uh, That was a big ask, you know, for Gentiles to to come to faith. Uh, But, you know, Paul and and some of the other, you know, founding uh, apostles, you know, basically talked about how uh, low circumcision served a purpose. Uh, It was just a foreshadowing of what God was wanting to do and that our very uh, souls, our very f- human flesh, when we accept Jesus are circumcised. Uh, and, and as a result of that, uh, we've been set apart and marked as different uh, as, as a result of Having accepted the sacrifice of Jesus and and having the Spirit of God uh, come upon us, like that's the result of it. And so, yeah, it, it's a, a marker in our life of of how we live, and it should be the one of the things that reminds us: I may not be perfect, but I am this. And, and that was the intention. The Jewish people were supposed to remember: I'm not perfect, but I am a Jew, and therefore. God loves me. I'm his chosen people. Uh, and so that was that was the intention of the physical reminder. Uh, and sometimes the spiritual uh, aspect is what we have to kind of keep our eyes on, that identity as
0: well. So for people who really enjoyed this conversation and want to find out more about you or connect with the church, how or connect with you, how can they do so?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, you can always go to our church's website, destinychurch.com. Uh, we have a bunch of different sermon series and links to podcasts and stuff. You, you can check that out and, and uh, you can connect that way. Or uh, I'm on Instagram, jonathan.rivers. Uh, I'm not like particularly uh, awesome, cool on Instagram, but I'm on Instagram. So you know they, you can connect with me there. I do check it. So that's a way. Awesome.
0: Well, Pastor, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Have a great day.
1: Hey, Evan, we love you. Have a good one, man. You too.
0: Take care.